more Sarkic SCPs. Sarkicism is one of the most enigmatic and unique organizations in the SCP universe, a religion dedicated to reshaping the world into that of flesh and disease, and reverting humanity back to a more base form. Sarkites, like any religion, come in all forms, with differing beliefs and intentions, some of them even good, but the majority of them represent a grave threat to normalcy. I've already covered an overview of Sarkicism in a previous video, and have looked at a few other Sarkic anomalies in detail, but there's still plenty left to be covered. Truth be told, this video will mostly be looking at some of the ones I mentioned in my Sarkicism video in greater detail, since they deserve a closer look. As a quick recap of Sarkicism, Sarkites revere disease and the transformation of the human form through alterations of their flesh. They respect an entity known as Yaldaboth to be the principal power in the universe and the creator of all flesh, but they don't specifically worship her. Instead, they believe that through mastery of the flesh, they can eventually surpass Yaldaboth and remake the universe into a Sarkic paradise. This is done through sacrifice, anomalous augmentation, and the sacramental consumption of a god. Some Sarkites believe that a single individual, Grand Karsist Ion, actually ascended to godhood and is in the process of remaking the universe, while others believe that he came close, but ultimately failed. The Sarkites' greatest enemy is the Church of the Broken God, an opposing religion devoted to the broken god that, in common myths, gave intellect to humanity and broke itself to imprison Yaldavoth. Speaking of Karsis, aside from Grand Karsist Ion, there are a number of Karsis within Sarkicism who act as spiritual leaders for various groups. SCP-2075 is one such Karsist, currently appearing as a 63-year-old Caucasian male that was formerly known as Alexei Kravchuk, who worked as a security guard for some time with the Soviet's GRU Division P. 2075's primary anomalous capability involves a microbial pathogen that he can exhale, which causes extreme neurological alterations in victims. Once infected by this pathogen, the individual can be completely controlled by 2075 from any distance, as if it were his own body. This effect lasts until the individual is killed, and if the host is ever killed, the affected individual will become the new host retaining his memories. It's noted that 2075 is unable to control more than one subject at a time. 2075 claims to have been born in the year 1204 and prefers to speak in Russian, but is fluent in English, German, and an archaic Uralic language that doesn't coincide with any modern variant of the Uralic language family. In an interview with Dr. Cronenberg, 2075 introduces himself as Karsist Varus, and says that he's being kept in a Foundation facility for the same reason that SARS kept him in dungeons, and Stalin experimented on him, because they are afraid. When asked to explain his anomalous nature, he says that when he was small, the church spoke of two worlds, one of flesh and one of spirit. He says this is incorrect, as there is no perfection in duality, and instead he's learned of the oneness of all. 
As for explaining his nature, he compares it to describing what the color yellow feels like, meaning that it can't be explained in words, and he invites the doctor to be shown instead. Dr. Cronenberg ends the interview instead. In another interview, when asked about when he was first detained by Division P, he instead talks about a period of political crisis in Russia at the start of the 17th century, when he was proselytizing his faith in Novgorod. An archpriest of the Eastern Orthodoxy declared him a witch and heretic, and whipped a mob into a frenzy that ended up tearing 2075 into pieces. He watched the event from a distance through someone else that he had infected, describing it as a very humbling experience to observe a piece of yourself being destroyed. Dr. Cronenberg says that the tale is interesting, but he wanted to know about when he was detained by Division P. 2075 simply calls the doctor impatient and says that he has all the time in the world. Many more interviews with 2075 were conducted, and in the 43rd interview they continue to discuss 2075's abilities. The doctor asks if he was always able to control others, to which 2075 says that it was a gift received long ago from the Grand Carcist, as he was embraced into the faith. The doctor remarks that he has built some superstitions around his ability, leading 2075 to call him a heathen, one who surrounds himself with machines like the Church of the Broken God, who he says are anathema. He says that Division P referred to his anomaly as creating meat puppets, but he says they are united as one entity without a finite life. An incident leads to the article being updated, with 2075 now described as a gestalt consciousness currently occupying an unknown number of hosts. The incident occurred when 2075 called Dr. Cronenberg to his cell, accompanied by two security personnel. 2075 says that he's seen enough, and he'll be leaving now, as the man in the cage could leave whenever he wished. He taunts the doctor by asking, if you cage the limb of an octopus, have you truly caged the octopus? And says that his containment never truly mattered. He then recites a passage from Sarkic scripture, which is continued on by the two security personnel. The personnel then grab the doctor and stab him with an anomalous knife, which causes his body to massively distort and grow into an amorphous mass of flesh and bone. The entity that was once the doctor rampages through the facility before it's flooded with acid to eliminate it, resulting in a total of 56 fatalities. It seems that both of the security personnel had been infected by 2075 at some point in the past, likely before they joined the Foundation ten years ago. It's also likely that Division P never truly contained 2075 either, only a part of it. An object depicting an Ouroboros, a symbol of infinity, was found in the remains of the site. Keeping in mind that 2075 is one of many Karsis across the world, each with their own highly anomalous capabilities, you can see how sarcasm is such a threat to the normal way of life. Not every follower of sarcasm is a powerful Karsist, though, with many of them simply living in small communes in rural areas isolated from the normal world. SCP-2133 is a village in the northern Urals in Russia, consisting of around 50 people. 
A number of microbial pathogens have been found within the vicinity of the village, some previously unknown, including the causative agents of leprosy, typhoid fever, cholera, and smallpox, along with various influenza viruses and plagues. This results in the inhabitants of the village often getting ill from various afflictions, although they rarely die from them. The villagers speak an archaic dialect of Russian, but commonly refuse to divulge substantial details about their history and traditions. Their lifestyle is similar to that of a 14th century peasant commune. They are believed to be illiterate, they display acute technophobia, and they share a religion they refer to as the Church of the Red Harvest. They show either an unwillingness or an inability to leave the village, and genetic analysis has revealed significant inbreeding, although they have never been seen undergoing reproduction while under containment. The villagers' primary anomalous trait is a form of reincarnation. Whenever one of them does die, their body will rapidly decay away, and on the night of the next new moon, the individual will be harvested from the village fields as a newborn infant, retaining their memories and appearance. Soil samples from the fields were found to contain embryonic fluid. Overall, the villagers tend to simply ignore the Foundation's presence, occasionally agreeing to be interviewed, but only displaying hostility when their daily routine is impeded. Foundation personnel are even allowed to enter and explore buildings without provoking a reaction, with the exception of their church. All attempts to access the church have provoked violent reactions from the villagers and the other odd entities residing in the village. These entities are prehensile organic structures, dark red in color, in the shape of a tentacle, with tissue samples showing them to be closely related to humans. They only become animate when personnel attempt to enter the church, typically killing the offender through strangulation and impalement. The villagers' routine consists of working the fields from dawn until dusk, in which they only grow turnips, and at sunset they will all enter the church, depositing the day's harvest within. They reside within the church for around three hours, before returning home to sleep until dawn. Other behavior seen amongst villagers includes staring aimlessly for up to two hours at a time, muttering incoherently, and self-amputation of gangrenous limbs and tumorous growths, which are then deposited inside the church. Analysis of their waste indicates a high-protein diet, despite turnips being their only food source. An interview is conducted by Dr. Judith Lowe with one of the villagers, Aristarch, who appears as an elderly male missing his left arm and much of his skin has undergone necrosis. The man says that this all began in a time of Sars and Khans, possibly suggesting sometime in the 13th or 14th century. He says that his condition hurts, but the process rends sin from their bodies and prepares them for a paradise that never seems to come. It seems they made an agreement with a priestess in which they will continue to serve until paradise comes, at which point they will be allowed to enter it. He worries that they have failed the Great One somehow, or they have been forgotten, but then says that there must be no doubt, because the Church of the Red Harvest is the only truth. 
Another interview is conducted with a girl named Anya, appearing as a female six to eight years of age. The girl says that the doctor does not belong here because she is not of the covenant and would not understand. They had signed a pact in blood, and it is both their redemption and curse until the end of all things. Dr. Lowe asks about the significance of the church, but the girl says that they should not be watching them because they'll never understand. This is the land where gods of rust and blood come to die. To which Dr. Lowe simply replies that that doesn't answer her question. The girl explains that the church was actually here long before the village was, as the church of wood on the surface was originally a Christian church built on top of the church of stone beneath the earth. The girl says that the foundation personnel here are only alive because the Karsist Alka allows it. Dr. Lowe's last question is if the village has a name, to which the girl responds by vomiting a black viscous liquid. It's unclear if that was coincidental or actually the name of the village, but the interview concludes. Obviously, the Foundation has to get inside of that church, so they send in an MTF to subdue the inhabitants of the village and enter the church. They are equipped with hazmat suits, video recorders, three hours of air supply, and incendiary weapons, which they utilize on the tentacles, causing them to recede into the soil. Inside of the church are several fetishes constructed from bone and leather, along with tumorous masses hanging by iron hooks chained to the ceiling. In the center of the church is a large fissure, which leads into a system of caverns beneath the village and the nearby mountains. There are no exploration logs here, to the disappointment of some, I'm sure, but they did encounter several new organisms in the caverns. These entities didn't seem to be hostile, but they were large and unwilling to leave the caves, so the MTF terminated one of them and brought it back for an autopsy. The entity weighed 181 kilograms, or around 400 pounds, and was over 8.5 feet tall. Its stomach contained only turnips, and displayed an overgrowth of fatty tissue and bone, as well as a gross physical configuration. Additionally, on the skin of its left forelimb was a tattoo, common to the operatives of the defunct Gru Division P, who contained 2133 prior to the Foundation, although it seems that they lost some men along the way, who now exist only as sarkic flesh monsters in the caverns. The MTF returned to the caverns to continue their exploration, but after around 50 minutes, video and radio contact were suddenly lost without any signs of struggle. Six hours later, radio contact would be re-established with a doctor that had accompanied the team. He thinks that the rest of the team is dead, as he's been alone for a while now. There apparently was a violent struggle, involving something long and slippery that grabbed one of the MTF members and pulled him into a tiny hole. The doctor ran and left them behind, slipping into a crevice, breaking his ankle, and tearing his suit. He refers to himself now as a walking corpse, as he's likely contracted a large number of diseases. Site Command urges him to keep going, as he can still retrieve some data so that the team didn't die in vain. The doctor tries to move, but only wedges himself deeper into the slimy crevice. 
He tries again and manages to break free, although there's a cracking sound, and he says he can't feel his legs anymore. He's at the edge of some sort of chasm in which he can't see the bottom. He says that everything on his body, including his eyes and skin, feels like it's burning, and he's never felt pain like this. He continues crawling along to try and get down into the chasm. Well, back in the village, it seems that hundreds more of the villagers resided in the mountains surrounding the village, and were now converging on the church. The Foundation evacuates from the village, but tells the doctor to keep going and describe what he sees, as it's all being recorded. The doctor manages to make it down into the chasm, finding a thick yellow fog and warped, porous stone like a hive. He sees thousands of eggs and creatures the size of cats with bodies like grubs and faces like a human infant feeding on mounds of meat. They either don't notice him or don't care about him, so he continues on. He finds a structure akin to a temple constructed with angles that hurt to look at. He realizes he's being dragged by something sometime after it begins, and finds many more of the villagers, but instead of being sickly and weak, they appear to be strong. They stare at him as he's being dragged, and he slowly loses coherency. He then claims to see an angel, who embraces him with a thousand wings and brings him close to her chest. The last thing we hear is that of his hazmat suit being removed. It's safe to assume that the angel entity the doctor encountered was Karsist Alka, who appears to be building some sort of Sarkic army. She's certainly not the only Karsist in the religion working on such a goal, and many elements of SCP-2133 are similar to SCP-610, the flesh that hates, which is generally believed to be the Sarkite's Red Death, their greatest weapon. Speaking of Sarkic armies, another one is discussed in SCP-2309, an iron wall covered in a thin layer of brass located in a mountain pass in the country of Georgia. The wall is approximately 20 meters tall and 5 meters thick, and can't be damaged by any conventional means. Despite this, every day between sunrise and sunset, sections of the wall on the north-facing side will deteriorate in patterns similar to claw marks. Overnight, between dusk and dawn, the wall will gradually regenerate back to its normal state. It's believed that the wall was originally constructed during the 6th century BCE, under the sponsorship of Cyrus the Great, the founder of the Achaemenid Empire also known as the First Persian Empire. Written records as early as the 1st century CE confirm the wall's existence, with an especially notable source being a first-hand account of the wall written by an official, serving in the court of the Caliph of the Abbasid dynasty in the early 9th century. The official writes that the Caliph had a dream in which he saw the Iron Wall of Dul Karnan being breached by Yajuj and Majuj, in the Quran, Dul Karnan is a legendary ruler who constructed a wall between mankind and the peoples of Gog and Magog, who were said to breach the wall to signal the end of the world. Some scholars believe Dul Karnan to be Cyrus the Great, which seems to be the case here. The Caliph dispatched the official to follow up on his dream and investigate the wall. The official headed north, asking about the wall, and eventually found an old Magian, 
the Islamic term for Zoroastrians. Zoroastrianism is a religion that predates Islam and is centered around a dualistic belief between the forces of good ultimately prevailing over the forces of evil. The Foundation believes that the Magian mentioned here is possibly a Mechanite, the precursor to the Church of the Broken God, due to many medieval Islamic sources conflating the similar dualistic beliefs of the two religions. The official ended up paying the Magian to take him to the wall, where he is relieved to see it still standing, with construction equipment scattered about the site. The official could see the scratches made by Yajuj and Majuj on the wall, but could not see the Yajuj and Majuj themselves. Obviously, the Yajuj and Majuj are actually Sarkic entities, but they are apparently invisible beyond the wall. The Magian placed his hand on the official's shoulder, and he could suddenly see the horde of entities tearing away at the wall. The official writes that they were as gruesome as he imagined, for their nakedness was not even hidden by skin, and their hands ended not in nails, but in claws. Behind the horde he could see only devastation, with every tree and plant uprooted, and the only other creatures present were flies, maggots, and roaches. He also saw two masked men, cloaked in red robes, presiding over the horde from atop flesh towers, with a massive four-legged beast larger than five elephants possessing a bony plate for a face in front of them. The masked men were guiding the creature forward to charge into the wall, but the attack left the wall mostly unscathed. The official questioned the Magian as to why they continued to attack the wall rather than simply digging underneath or building a scaffold to climb over it, but the Magian said that on the other side of the wall, the ground was harder than Damascus steel, and the ceiling of heaven was exactly the height of the wall, so that not even an insect could fly over it. When the official had seen enough, the Magian removed his hand, and the entities disappeared from his sight. The Magian finished by saying that the Caliph and the rulers of every civilized land needed to heed the threat of Yajuj and Majuj. What exactly allowed the Magian to make the entities visible is unclear, but it's not the first time we've heard of invisible Sarkic monsters, as shown in SCP-2480, The Unfinished Ritual. Foundation investigation of the wall found a number of things buried near it, including ancient weapons, armor, and currency. They found a collection of gears and other machine parts that were likely used in the wall's construction, many of which are stamped with mechanite seals. There was also a mass grave containing altered human skeletons, resembling known specimens of Sarkic creatures, and a large clay cylinder containing a record written in Old Persian about the construction of the wall. The record praises Cyrus the Great, who marched along with his army to confront the invaders who sailed out from Adytum, known as the Sarkic capital. The invaders were led by two Karsis, and although Cyrus's army initially drove them back to this mountain pass, the onslaught was endless, and even the army's elite warriors, the companions, could not hold them back. Cyrus decided to build a wall instead to contain them, and traveled to Ionia, where he enlisted the Mechanite Builder Priests. They proceeded to build a great wall from blocks of iron, and poured over it a layer of consecrated brass, so that the army will be sealed away in another realm until the end of time. 
The Foundation believes that if and when the wall is ever breached, it may constitute an XK-class dominance shift scenario, which mostly matches what's stated in the Quran. So there you have an enraged horde of Sarkic monsters that have been festering and raging for the last 2600 years or so. If they ever do break through the wall, or if some other Sarkic group helps them get out, it would likely be a pretty big problem. Speaking of big problems, let's finish by looking at SCP-2191, a temple complex located within the Hoya Forest in Romania. The first two floors of this complex resemble similar Eastern Orthodox monasteries in the region, but it's believed that this was a deliberate effort to disguise the temple's true nature. Beneath the complex are a series of tunnels that were likely constructed sometime between 5 to 7,000 years ago. The temple is inhabited by a population of creatures, considered to be genetically human, but have undergone several significant mutations that would normally be quite fatal. They lack all major internal organs, aside from their lungs, heart, and brainstem. Their outer skin lacks pigmentation and resembles cracked porcelain, and they appear completely androgynous, meaning they are of indeterminate sex. They are mostly blind due to a layer of skin covering their eyes, but still react to light, disliking strong light, and feature flat, upturned noses and funnel-shaped ears that aid in their dependency on smells and sounds. The only sounds they produce are a clicking of the tongue, which is speculated to be a form of echolocation. Under Foundation observation, they do not appear to have aged at all, and possess an abnormally slow metabolism, making them not quite biologically immortal, but very long-lived. There are a number of other entities present in the complex, all of which resemble worms in some way, and are genetically similar to humans. It has been speculated by the Foundation that these entities did not naturally evolve on their own, but what exactly created them is still unknown. One type of these creatures outwardly resembles lamprey, but their internal structure more closely resembles leeches. These creatures are located inside of the abdomen of the humanoid entities, primarily where their stomach and intestines would be. The second type exists within the walls of the temple complex, possessing long, thin bodies. These organisms enter the bodies of the humanoid entities through their mouths or rectums, but do not seem to cause them any harm or discomfort. It's believed that they serve the purpose of extracting nutrients from the humanoids and redistributing it to other parts of the complex. The third type of worm creatures also exist within the walls, and possess a tendril-like appendage that attaches to the spines of the humanoids when they are not active. When attached, the humanoids display some behavior reminiscent of a sapient organism, notably positioning into a posture suggestive of prayer. When not attached, the humanoid entities will leave the temple complex and aggressively hunt for living humans, ignoring all other animals and deceased humans. These creatures hunt individually, and generally only some of them will hunt at one time, the rest remaining behind. Once prey has been located, the entity will inject them with a paralytic agent delivered via barbs located on their hands, and will then proceed to unhinge its jaw, allowing the worm creature in their abdomen to emerge and latch onto the person's neck. 
the worm will inject the body with digestive enzymes, turning all of their organs, muscles, and bones into liquid, at which point they will drink the resulting fluid. This process takes anywhere from 20 to 50 minutes, depending on the person's size. This fluid is then returned to the temple and retrieved by the creatures residing in the walls. People living near the forest had been aware of the anomaly for quite some time, but the Foundation first investigated it in 1916, when 244 members of the Austro-Hungarian First Army went inexplicably missing. The Foundation later came in in 1919 and contained the complex, as they normally do. The problem seemed solved, as the creatures went into a dormant state in 1924 due to lack of food. There were a series of incidents, however, between 1932 and 1977 that led the Foundation to reevaluate the problem. In 1932 in Greece, an earthquake resulted in 491 reported casualties, but 126 individuals were unaccounted for after the event, later attributed to SCP-2191. In 1939, in Turkey, an earthquake resulted in the deaths of around 33,000 people, with locals claiming that a great serpent rose from the ground at the start of the earthquake. In 1940, in Romania, another earthquake struck, this time with a low amount of casualties, but some civilians reported a series of vampire attacks afterwards. In 1953, in Turkey, an earthquake kills over 1,000, and several survivors report seeing the arm of an octopus rupture out of the earth. Other civilians report seeing pale men attacking people in the night, but the reports cease a month after the earthquake. In 1963 in Macedonia, another earthquake kills around a thousand people, with 500 going missing afterwards, amid more reports of pale men attacking in the night. 1977 in Romania, an earthquake kills over 1,500 people, but only 800 bodies are found, with reports of pale men and tendrils pulling victims beneath the ground. The Foundation finally finds a connection between these events and SCP-2191. It seems that it took the Foundation a while to ponder what exactly the creatures were transferring nutrients into. Deep beneath the temple complex is the core of another entity whose true size has so far been pretty much impossible to measure, with appendages extending throughout an area of around 660,000 square kilometers. The entity excretes a highly corrosive substance that it has used and continues to use to create more and more tunnels throughout the Balkan Peninsula. This entity is sapient, and is controlling the humanoid entities and the creatures in the wall through the release of complex pheromones. It seems that civilians living in isolated villages around the forest have been actively providing human sacrifices to 2191 to prevent earthquakes from occurring. An interview is conducted by Dr. Judith Lowe with a village elder from one of the villages, who's knowledgeable about 2191. The woman says that the temple is where the mother resides, who sends her faithful bees to collect nectar, and like good beekeepers, they help the hive flourish. The mother was once a Davite princess that Grand Karsist Ion wanted to conquer and claim for himself. 
she eventually became his favored concubine and worshipped him, so the Grand Carcist blessed her with his sacred seed, according to the Elder. This resulted in her swelling up in size and being placed here, and they must keep her fat and satisfied so that she can eventually give birth. Give birth to what exactly is left merely to our imagination, but the Elder ends the interview by stating that all around us is tinder for the gods. The foundation is caught between a rock and a hard place then, since if they allow this entity to continue being fed, it will eventually give birth to what will also likely be a world-ending threat. But if they try and contain it, it can easily cause far more devastation than it currently is. Of course, the correct answer in this case would be to attempt to simply kill this creature, but the Foundation has so far failed in that goal, and has spent a number of civilian and Foundation lives that goes well beyond acceptable numbers. They don't like it, but for now they're going to simply let things continue as they were, with the villagers offering up sacrifices and letting it feed. They note that they are not currently about to sacrifice the entire Balkan Peninsula just to contain this threat. At least, not yet. Obviously, there are a lot more Sarkic SCPs, as they are one of the major factions within the SCP universe, but these four are some of their most interesting anomalies. Many Sarkic SCPs and tales concern a coming apocalypse, in which all of the Sarkite hordes will rise up and a great battle will commence for the fate of the world, often referred to as the Second War of the Flesh. The fragmented, often static nature of SCP writings mean that we might not ever actually get to see this war, with it left only in the dizzying heights of our imaginations. Either way though, if you like SCP because of its connection with horror, Sarcasm contains some of the best horror around.